This is Take It From Me, the podcast from REI, your source for outdoor gear, classes, and experiences. And these are the people who took a hard left. They traded in their chips and changed their minds, all in the name of fresh air. And to get inside the minds of these enterprising misfits, we're letting them interview each other. Each week, student becomes teacher, interviewee becomes interviewer, and grasshopper becomes bigger grasshopper. I'm Nick Mott, host of the show, and to start off, let me tell you a little something about myself. I despise running. I loathe it. And so the first time I read something by Brendan Leonard on his blog, Semi-Rad, it stuck with me. I hate running three to four times a week if I have time, he wrote. I hated it yesterday for a little over an hour. All right, I'm on board with this, I thought. I hate running too. But then he talked about some magical moment when you forget about the pain and the boredom and awfulness of the whole thing, and I didn't quite know about that part. Today, I'm talking with Brendan. He's a writer and filmmaker and ultra runner, and now he's taken his running to a whole new level. He decided to try to run 102.9 miles with his friend, and he made a movie about the process. The buddy, Jason, has been his friend and confidant since the two worked together at Applebee's in college. He's definitely the most inspirational person in my life. Fake it till you make it is, is a phrase that people use a lot, and I feel like his entire life has been like that. You know, he's comes from a broken home. His mom raised six kids on her own. He's dyslexic. Uh, he was bullied as a kid. He went out for wrestling in seventh grade and lost every single match for two years before he won one. To me, the story of him running a hundred mile race is like this perfect metaphor for his entire life. You know, it's like, it's this struggle towards this goal. And this is the way he's approached every single thing he's ever done. So if he finishes the race, it's this beautiful story. I went on a run with Brendan on a steep trail on a warm winter day to talk about his personal relationship with ultra running and why anyone in his or her right mind would ever try to run a hundred miles. All right, well, let's, let's do it. All right, here yeah. we go. We're going to jog this way. Cool. So I've never done actual trail running. Is there anything like technique wise I need to, I need to know? I think if you just don't kick rocks, you're going to be, you'll be good. It's just like regular running, only slower, I think for me. Slower and prettier, maybe? Slower and way prettier. Tends to be way steeper, which means there's a little more walking. So what technically makes an ultra marathon or an ultra run? Uh, anything over 26.2 miles is an ultra marathon. Running is like, has one ingredient, which is running. Ultra running to me has three ingredients, running, walking, and eating. That's why I'm into it more. I like two of those for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like snacks, I think ultra running is for you. How did you uh, get started ultra running? Uh, Jason, he decided to do an ultra marathon in 2015, September. But then he, so he was training and I took him out for pizza after one of his training runs and he was describing like how horrible it was and how hot and, He'd run out of water at like mile 24 and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It just sounded like this horrible suffering. And it just sounded really great to me. Like I was like, this is the kind of thing I can do. And so the next morning I went out to see if I could run 10 miles without stopping and I did. So I signed up for a 50K that same day. And I survived that one. 
and it was kind of love at first suffering or something like that. So I did a couple 50 mile races after that and then a hundred this fall. This is where it's gonna get steep. I can tell already. We can walk if you want. Uh, let's keep. Okay. I think breathlessness is good. Suffering good, right? Uh, I might stop asking questions for a minute though. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right about walking. Yeah, for sure. I have lots more questions for you. I just can't ask them yet. We can walk slow too. I was interviewing Kelly Cordes, who's an alpinist and writer. It was about being hardcore. And he said, you know, in climbing, it's easy to get yourself in a spot where you have to keep moving in order to survive. Like, you're on top of a peak. If you want to get down and see your family again, you have to keep moving. You know, even if you're out of water or out of food or whatever. He said, you know who's really hardcore is ultra runners. Like, what's stopping you from just going, you know, I'm done. Get me a beer and a bag of chips. You know, it's to keep going when you have the option to quit the entire time is hardcore. What draws you to be outside? It sounds like, you know, it was climbing for a while and then it was running. What is it about being outside that's got you, you know, staying in, staying in places like this and places much wilder, obviously? Oh boy. Well, I wrote a, I wrote a whole book about, about I was, went to rehab when I was 23 for alcoholism and uh this is what i ended up doing instead i don't know what i i don't know what else i would do i mean like it didn't seem like there were better options than to be outside and you know i think once you start dipping your toe in it and you start to discover how much there is to see out there and and do you have just this unlimited list of things that you can do with your life you know be on a trail or a climb or something where it's totally crushing me um getting me more fit and then it, i don't know what else i would do really yeah yeah me too you know for me it's not something it's so hard to articulate all of it that goes together you know uh i grew up in kansas oh, where yeah. there's there's very little Mount sunflower yeah yeah there's almost nothing to do outside i didn't i didn't have that experience of really engaging with the outdoors until i started climbing you know in college in arkansas uh, going down to Arkansas to do it oh, okay. and I just changed my my whole world you know, did, did you grow up with the outdoors were you always outside growing up yeah like memory as a kid I was outside playing a lot like climbing trees and stuff um, and I'm really glad I was bad at video games as a kid so it was like adventuring climbing trees you know digging holes in the ground playing with like action figures but boy when I when I moved to Montana when I was 23, and you realize you can, what you can do just by putting a, a little food in a backpack and going out for a day, it's kind of amazing. And I can't really, I can't really, I, otherwise what would I do, watch golf, you know, on Saturday? I can't, I can't do it. So when you said you first, your friend first told you about ultra running, you said it was terrible, full of suffering, and that's what, attracted you to it. Why were you attracted to that kind of idea? Uh, I, th I think you're always, to, to me, you're always kind of pushing this uh, spectrum or threshold you have of kind of like, I think you do it in adventure as well as kind of 
maybe sort of some sort of physical toughness where every year or maybe even more often you do this thing that's the toughest thing you've ever done where you, you're you can't sleep a few weeks or a few days before it wondering if you're, you're actually going to be able to complete it and then you do it and it just kind of goes in this bank of experiences you have where like well I handled that so maybe I can handle the next hardest thing you know and I think that was really attractive to me I'd always been curious what it felt like like there's tons of regular people who can complete a hundred mile race am I one of them you know they're not special they're just people who want to do it and have this drive to finish and what does that feel like and will it be the hardest thing I've ever done uh, you know, so to answer that question, I guess, is what it, what it's about for me. Like, am I tough enough? And there's this, like you mentioned, a social aspect to it, too. As, you know, I know some people like to run alone. It's a very solid, solitary endeavor. Some people like to run together. You obviously, obviously do this movie with your buddy. Is running to you something best experienced socially, alone, or both? Uh, you know, I think in like a big commitment, like training for a hundred mile ultra marathon, it is good to have somebody to be accountable to. I really do like running alone. A lot of people I know listen to music or podcasts or, or whatever. And I really enjoy the one time that I can get away from my phone, you know, and not have it vibrating with text messages. And I don't have that compulsion to check email or social media when I'm running because I'm out here and it's like I think we're getting fewer and fewer spaces where we can get away from distractions and being engaged trail running is probably one of the best ones for me like you don't an old friend of mine said one time you know nobody ever had a, a good idea sitting in front of a computer and I think yeah I have to do all my work on computers or tablets or you know video editing software or whatever but I don't get the ideas when I'm sitting there. I get the ideas when I go for a run or I'm walking around my neighborhood not looking at my phone. Yeah, well, that's just, that is really interesting to me, especially because, you know, doing, as somebody that loves the outdoors and doing these things, but also somebody that has to, has to be at the computer to be like, you know, editing this podcast forever. It's such a weird, you know, just such a weird dichotomy or distinction in life to yeah. be forced to be inside and attach to technology so much when you're especially thinking, even editing and like immersed in this world of, that's totally different. But we're all terrible at setting boundaries, you know? We're, we all take our phones with us everywhere and we're like, well, I need to be available. And you're like, oh, come on, you know? <laughs> Once you shut your phone off for a week, like go out in the desert and go backpacking or something, you come back and you're like, well, nothing really big happened. You know, it's a sort of self-importance thing. So we stopped running right about this time in the interview. I got just a little too tired for walking and talking. I always imagined trail running is, you know, much nicer than just running on roads because there's such a change of scenery. But if you're running, you know, 500 miles in the same area, does it get monotonous? Does it change that like sensation for you? Yeah, it just becomes your treadmill in a way, but it's like, a, it's a really beautiful treadmill. You're not like running on a flat, you know, moving belt, watching CNN. So how many times a week were you running? What were those runs like? I ran five times a week. You get in the best shape of your life, but at certain, a certain point you feel like kind of like the Tin Man, you know, like everything is just like one little pin away from falling apart. You know, you're like just going to, you know, crumble on the trail. 
Um, and you're just like, my feet hurt, this hurts, you know, my knee hurts. Is this an injury or is it just pain that'll go away? You know, like it's the weirdest experience I've ever had. At a certain point, I think, you know, I was probably like a month away from the race where I was going, I'm not getting in better shape. I'm becoming this like pot bellied person with giant quads and calves. And I'm like totally emaciated up top and I don't feel healthy. I feel like there's always just like three or four cups of food stuck in my stomach. Like I have to keep it in there and it's just kind of gross. Um, so I, I was like, I'm not getting healthier. I'm getting better at running long distances, but your, your body's like, you know, it's turning into a machine. You know, people, people are always, sometimes they say, no matter what I can do, what I do, I can't lose weight. And I'm like, man, I think you should try ultra running. Like, I feel like it would probably work for everyone. <laughs> you know, just your body, you're just hitting it with a hammer until it turns into the thing you need it to be. We'd joke in the parking lot and be like, I got this program called five hour abs. You just run for five hours. And when you get back, you have abs. <laughs> you know? I, I had gone without coffee for three months of the summer as well. And that was, that was some psychological warfare for sure. Like, um, because I would go out on these training runs and I would lose so many, so many fluids and electrolytes that I couldn't justify drinking coffee because it would flush all the electrolytes from my body. And so I gave it up for three months and that was the worst thing ever. Um, I go insane if I don't have coffee for like a few hours in a day. Yeah. I recommend everybody try it once though. Like, cause I think, I think it teaches you what you really need and what you don't, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, I need a beer. I need a, I need coffee or I'm a monster. And you're like, dude, there's people waking up in the world who don't have coffee at all. Like, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very privileged thing to have. And uh, if you go without it for, for a week, it teaches you a little bit about yourself. You're like, oh my God, I just went through a whole day. I didn't kill anybody and I did my job and I didn't fall asleep. Are you back to drinking coffee again? Yeah, I'm, I'm back to abusing coffee. You know, like, you know, when you get to the point and you're like, wow, I've really had too much. I'm like vibrating. I feel a little bit nauseous. Like maybe I should eat something. That's where I'm getting like every day now, you know, or like, and then I drink more. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? And yeah, it's, I think sometimes you're doing it to replace, like if you just go for a three mile run, that would achieve what you want to happen with the coffee. But you, you're like, no, I got to sit at this desk. So you, you chug, chug a bunch of coffee. Do you think you'll run another one again? Um, I should, I should say no, cause I think my girlfriend will kill me, but I think I would like to try a different one, another, another race like that. Cause I think there are many, many things we did. I did wrong. Um, and you know, your pain threshold moves. And I think in the next hundred, I would know what to do a little bit better. You know, I would, uh, I would eat more. I would go a little slower at the beginning and, and try to keep that, try to improve. You know, maybe there's a little bit to be gained, uh, by doing by doing another one and seeing how you do like I don't know if we're real ultra runners left yet I, I haven't even lost a toenail yet which is the I feel like that's like kind of the mark of being an ultra runner so uh yeah maybe maybe I'll do another one and lose a toenail so as a non-runner I've heard a lot about like the sort of crazy things that happen to your mind as you run long distances did you experience like total loopiness and irrationality or like what happens to your brain as you run that far I've hallucinated from lack of sleep a couple times on a bike, on a bicycle, even, uh, and fallen asleep while riding a bike before, years ago. Um, so this, I'm like, kind of wondered what was going to happen. And very, very late in the race, I started to have these mild hallucinations where I was like seeing buildings popping out of the trees. And it was just my brain, I think, trying to go, oh, there's the aid station. There's the final aid station, which marks the last, uh, 
you know, descent, then you're home free. And it was not, it happened over and over and over again. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, I didn't get into any new psychological terrain besides a little, little bit of mild hallucination, um, which is, I think, probably to be expected, I guess. <laughs> a little bit of mild hallucination still sounds kind of, <laughs> kind of yeah. out there to me. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it, it is. It's a little, it's a little weird, but I'd, I'd experienced it before, like, uh, on a bike ride where I was, I'd been up for, Jack Ash, 30 hours. Have you ever heard of Yuri Robic? Is this the guy that would hallucinate like zombies chasing him? Uh, I was a Bedouin soldiers yeah. and, and his coach would, would actually go with it. He would be like, oh yeah, you better keep going. They're going to kill you. And he would, you know, keep cranking on the pedals of his bike and like, I'm like, oh my God, like it's a level of suffering. I don't know that I'm ever interested in getting to, you know, like what are we gaining here? You know, I've enjoyed eating a lot of pizza this summer, uh, trading for an ultra, but I don't really need to get, I don't really need, need to hallucinate that much. You know? you know, it's really funny. One of my good friends is also an ultra, ultra runner. <laughs> Biggest thing she talks about is pizza when it comes to running. But carbohydrates. I mean, like there's something just really great about it. And I think as you get older, you realize you can't eat pizza every day or you're going to get really fat. Um, so it's become a very special thing for me. And we, we made a rule. It was like, if a training run goes 20 miles or more, that's automatic pizza. So we would just go straight to a pizza place and, and you know, hammer some pizza. But, uh, yeah, you, you have to eat a lot. And at a certain point, it feels like a chore. You're just like, this is just, I'm just sick of eating. Like, I'm sick of having to eat food at 9.30 p.m. before I go to bed so I don't wake up in the middle of the night hungry because that happens. What do you eat during an ultra marathon? How do you stay alive? Like, do you carry a bunch of stuff with you or... Like how, just how does it work? You have to eat. I think they recommend, like people recommend 250 to 400 calories per hour. You're eating all this stuff. I, I used to you know, like pejoratively call space food because it's like cubes of energy globules and like these gels and all this weird stuff that you would never eat. If like, you know, you put this stuff on a plate, you're like, what is that? That's disgusting. But you eat it when you're running. Before we started our hundred, a lady I'd met at a book signing had told me basically two things. If you feel good, slow down. If you feel bad, eat more. The aid stations during our race are wonderful. Pancakes, scrambled eggs, bean burritos, grilled cheese, uh, chips, M&Ms, Skittles, pickles, everything you can think of. It's like know. junk food at the aid stations. That's crazy. Yes, it's like, the, it's like this wonderful junk food buffet, and all you have to do to gain access to it is pay $300 and run 100 miles. So it's it's kind of like an expensive, really painful buffet, but it's kind of cool too, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna have some Oreos, I'm gonna have some Chips Ahoy, you know, and you eat whatever whatever looks good at all because you're, you're burning so many, so many calories at that point that you have to ingest whatever you can or you're gonna bonk. It's like a good takeaway could be if, if you like to eat, if you wanna get in shape, and if you wanna eat really terrible food, you should do an ultra marathon. <laughs> Yeah, do you want me to say that? I feel like you nailed it. Yeah, if you like hiking and running, you'll you'll probably love the training. You know, you're out on a trail. You know, there's there's wonderful things that happen to your brain and your body when you're out in nature all the time. And this was forced me to be outside for, you know, at least nine, eight or nine hours a week, if not more than that, on some pretty wonderful trails. And uh, I think anybody who does that is going to notice a lot, of, a lot of great effects to their body. Plus, yeah, you can eat way more pizza because, like, I actually did the math on how much pizza you can eat after you exercise for running, and it's actually pretty, it's kind of sad. Like, you have to run really long ways to eat an entire deep dish pizza to yourself. It's, it's, not, it's not encouraging. But this is getting at, like, one other sort of big and hard-to-answer question. You know, what does, what does running teach you about life? What does running teach you about life? 
oh boy, I, there's this saying that I've heard in a different number of different people say, and it's kind of roughly that you are only what you think you're capable of is only about half of what you think what you can actually do. And I think that's what what running has taught me. Like, if you just pick this goal that seems astronomical and you put you know take these small steps towards it you will eventually get to the point where yes it is still going to be the hardest thing you've ever done but you can get through it you know and it I think about like how do you run 100 miles and I feel like you have to run one mile first and then you have to run another one you know and if you can run one mile you can run 100 miles it's at some point right you just have to you just have to run. My, my joke is like, people are like, oh, you ran a hundred miles. That's so awesome. Congratulations. And I'm like, I ran 1300. You just saw the last hundred, you know, like I ran more than, more than that. But what I, what I'm running from is a, a shittier version of myself. Basically. Um, like I'm running away from the guy who couldn't do a hundred miles. So I'm running towards the person who, you know, and, and if I get a hundred miles done, that means I can do it. You know, that was, that's, that's me improving as a person. I guess I'm, I'm not running to beat somebody else. I'm, I'm running from a lesser version of myself is, is what I think. You're, you're wanting to improve as a person. And a way to do that for me is to set a very big, terrifying goal um, that makes you lose sleep so that you have to train or take all these other steps to get ready for it. Um, because you're scared if you don't take those steps, you're going to fail. If you're running from a lesser version of yourself, you're always trying to improve yourself, why is it important to do that to you? You know, why is it important to always be improving? And is there ever a point you think where you'll be okay, where you don't need to keep, where you keep running and <laughs> yeah. improving? So someday you cross that finish line, you're like, I am the best version of myself. No, and I think, I think it's like that is metaphorically, if you're running from a lesser version of yourself, you're towards, towards a goal of improving, you know, you, that carries over into all aspects of life, you know, like, uh, you know, your work, your creative work, um, you know, if you, if you get to a place where you think things are stagnant and in some area, you, you pivot and try to do something else. If you're not trying to be a better version of yourself, you know, you're very complacent in life. And I think that's probably would be very depressing for me. It's funny to think about the, like the deeply personal relationship people have with running. Cause it's just like, to me, it's so funny. It's like, it's just walking but faster you know it's not like this like this really uh contrived experience we, we can all a lot of most people can do it you know you can start jogging for 10 feet and yeah it, somehow it leads people to this deeply uh emotional thing yeah you pushed yourself you pushed yourself beyond what you thought you were capable of or in what most people do and that could be through through anything really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i think uh a friend of mine put it, you know, pretty well a few years ago and just said, you know, like, you know, what's cool. Trying, trying hard is cool. You know, like winning is cool, but trying hard is really cool. I feel like everybody beyond the first 40 or 50 finishers, probably in a lot of these races, or maybe even beyond the first 10, or we're all the underdog, you know, like we're all, we're not sure if we're going to make it to the end. Um, so that's, that's the, the really beautiful part of it to me. Has your relationship towards running in that way changed over time? You know, has it gotten more comfortable, more fun, or is it still the same? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting better at it. I'm getting a little faster, I think, but I don't really try to go fast. I just try to, like, get in the whatever miles I want to get. Yeah, I don't know. I can't grow a beard, which I think seems to be like if you're a real ultra runner, you can ha you have a beard. If you're a real male ultra runner, you have a beard. And, and a missing toenail, at least. And a missing toenail. Yeah, but... So you're not there yet. You got to keep doing ultra marathons yeah, until you can at least until your beard grows and your toes fall off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's I don't know if the beard's ever going to happen. I might get to the toenail. 
Would you ever encourage a non-runner to start running? Like, do you think it's for everybody? I think running is for everybody because it's the easiest way to get exercise outside. And uh, it's an intense exercise, even if you're not going fast, right? Like you, anybody in any city can do it, you know, anywhere. Yeah, it's maybe not interesting, you know, people are, people, you can get bored doing it, but I think people need to get bored. Like we are, you know, in a society where it's almost impossible to be bored. And I think there's something really refreshing about forcing yourself to go out for an hour or five hours and just be alone with your thoughts and actually run, you know? Right. It's uncomfortable to be alone with your thoughts and alone with yourself and have to think, you know, just be stuck in your own head. And it's uncomfortable to run too. (laughs) There's there's these two parallels here, right? Yeah. The discomfort of being by yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's good for everybody, you know, like maybe you shouldn't, it's it's possible that you shouldn't be stimulated every single second of the day with your phone and your, and your computer and everything else that we have, you know, and like, even in the middle of like the noisiest city you can be in, you're still in a quiet spot in your head. If you're, if you're just out there exercising by yourself and not looking at a phone you know it's really hard to scroll through instagram if you're running at 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 all a a decent pace you know it's really hard to update facebook or twitter when you're running um people can probably people probably do it i don't know but but for me it makes more sense to just put the phone away or don't even take it with you and just go out and have your hour or whatever of exercise and 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 spend time quietly alone because otherwise I don't do it. So if there's one thing I keep hearing about running throughout this interview is, is pain in the ass. Yeah. Is that it's the discomfort, suffering, pain in the ass, but a lot of, you know, personal growth and also pizza. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, personal growth and pizza. Yeah. I mean, those are two really good reasons to run. I think, you know, uh, what we don't need to get really complicated in our motivations or do i can't get really deeply philosophical with it i guess but yeah it helps you become a better person and eat more pizza what what's not to like really brendan and i got back to the trailhead i was exhausted and at the time i still kind of hated running But ever since I recorded this interview, I've been doing it a little more and more. Once, in the middle of editing this episode, I slammed my computer shut and hit the trails. I just couldn't resist. Find photos and other stories of opting outside at rei.com slash blog. And tune in to our next episode to hear Brendan interview Phil Taylor, a farmer and founder of Mad Agriculture, an organization dedicated to lifting up the next generation of folks working on the land. This is Take It From Me, the podcast from REI, the co-op that helps you get outside through gear, classes, and experiences. REI is dedicated to protecting the places we play, and they believe that a life outdoors is a life well lived. I can't think of any advice that's much better than that, so get outside and find your next adventure.